0: This morning's scripture comes from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Good morning. I I really thought I was ready, and I was not. So let's start over. <laughs> it's embarrassing. Okay. My name is Sam. I'm uh, one of the elders here at Watermark. So good morning. Welcome uh, to our community uh, this morning. Uh, Pastor Tommy is out this morning, so it's me today. Uh, topic, guys, (laughs) and I mean more, I mean, okay, Uh, so this morning, um, I don't don't have any funny stories, usually I start with funny stories, I don't have any, I'm I'm all out, but I do have a dad joke, so that's going to have to work, Um, so why does TLC, why don't they like to exfoliate? TLC, the girls grew from the 90s. Why don't they like to exfoliate? And you say, why? <laughs> Thanks for ruining it, guys. Yeah, because, uh, you know, they don't want no scrubs. That's, that's the thing. I'm um, Okay. And uh, if you don't know who are the TLCR, you've missed out on a lot of good music. Um, around that, there was also Wu-Tang. Um, there was also Insync, I think, at that time. So you missed out on uh, some of the good music. But anyhow, I'm not talking about that. Uh, this morning, we'll be talking about how we should work out our trust in God and some of our mis- misunderstanding of faith. So I'm going to actually talk, tell you a, a few different stories uh, this morning, and, and we'll also talk about how we're to trust God in, uh, in difficult times. Um, so let's pray, and we'll get started. So Father God, thank you, Lord, uh, for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your community. Thank you, Lord, for... Um, your body, and I just ask you, Holy Spirit, Lord, to uh, give me clarity. Um, help me to speak truth to power, oh, Father. And I pray, oh, Father, against, uh, that we pray against any distractions uh, that we might have, and ask, Lord, that uh, you know, whatever is being spoken, um, it is your will being done on earth, Lord, as it is in heaven, in our lives, in our community, uh, in our nation, in the world, in the cosmos, in the name of Jesus, and we pray, amen. All right, so sometime last year, I gave a sermon on faith, Uh, Faith not being this cognitive uh, mental thing. We're trying to make ourselves sure of what we believe in. And so for many people, there's this idea that in order to uh, have faith, it means to be absolutely sure without a shred of doubt. But that's not the case. Having faith is not about removing doubt from your mind, but it's about your trust in Jesus and how you work that out in your life. And so the way many people believe with certainty, I think it's really idolatry. Because it's not about your confidence and trust in God. It becomes about what you believe and your ideas about God that you have confidence and trust in, if that makes sense. It becomes about your ideas, and that sort of becomes the foundation in your faith. And later on, as you grow and learn more of the ways of the Lord, you have to unlearn and unpack and deconstruct a lot of things. So a problem I think a lot of us have is that we reduce God to a, a uh, conceptual idol, whereas the ancient people reduced God to a uh, uh, a physical idol. And in both instances, we're reducing God into something he is not. And so I think we have to be careful and realize that, that um, there's even a problem, I think, when we... For people who are you know believers or devout believers are more or less sometimes devout to the set of interpretations because everyone has a lens in which they see the world um you know and the lens is sort of shaded or or made up with with your past your experiences your hurts what you were taught as a child and all these things that you're growing up so we are all biased in the way we see uh the world and way we read into things we're all coming in and and so The thing is, rather than allowing Scripture to assist in this deeper and more engaging relationship with Christ, sometimes we're reading into our own experiences and prejudices and and our own perspectives and our opinions. So, for example, I'm texting or emailing someone, and uh, what sometimes usually happens, and it's probably also my lack of uh, grammatically correct English that happens as well, but You know, usually there's back and forth, no, this is not what I meant, this is what I meant, and and sometimes it clears up with a phone call or face-to-face so that you can actually convey what you really meant. Um, So, you know, despite what you wrote, what you were texting, you know, despite your best emojis or whatever, trying to clarify what you were trying to say, the person may not get what you're really trying to say. And so even when we approach the Bible, I think in that sense, we should realize none of us are free from bias, so when we come to the Bible, we should come in reverence and humility, understanding that there are many different contexts within the Bible in which it was written. There's different layers. There's different nuances. And, and, and uh, we need to be humble and ask the Holy Spirit to guide us. So faith is not about your ideas, but faith is this context uh, in which there 's very much of, of trust and trustworthiness, think about faith in this context of love where you 're putting your trust in this one person, and without trust it 's tough for that relationship to grow so it 's not about our ideas about love that makes love wonderful, but being able to trust this person and to share the beauty and the hardships of the life that 's shared. Well, how do we do faith then, let's say, in practical terms? How do we play this out in our life and in our prayer? Because prayer is one of these um, cases where the divine sort of intersects with us, where we're able to engage with God. And so uh, Scripture gives us some clue in Hebrews chapter 11. Now, faith is the assurance of the things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. For by, if the people of old received their commendation... By faith, we understand that the universe was created, the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. The word assurance in Greek, uh, in verse 1, is hypostasis, which to my kids, I guess, sound like a fancy hippo or whatever. But no, it's the substance of the reality of the things hoped for. The word hypostasis also appears in chapter 1, in Hebrews, as stating that the Son was the very image of God's hypostasis. Faith is this conviction of things not seen. It's, it's the fundamental essence. The faith is the substantiating of the things that we hope for. And so Pastor Tommy talked about imagination last week. And in this passage, here's this idea of being able to have imagination for the world that we see. Faith in this passage is about imagination, and it's not about mental faith, mental might, as some might think of how strong my faith is psychologically, how I must believe. With our imagination, we're able to envision of a hope for a certain future, a particular kind of narrative and outcome. So, in this sense, everyone has faith, and let me explain that because everyone has faith, everyone has trust, and imagine you know two things to be one way or another. So, marriage is a good example or any like significant relationships parent or child or, or uh, you know siblings or whatever or bff or whatever and and so you know sometimes there's good relationships and so when you're away from that person sometimes you reminisce or even in the relationship where you're together sometimes you rem- reminisce of the good things that have happened you play clips and movies in your mind of the wonderful times that you had but you also envision for the future of all the cool stuff that you'll do, all the life that you will have together. And so in a similar sense, this is also true for a bad marriage or bad relationships. You're continually playing clips, video clips in your mind of the argument that you've had. And so even though there might be some really good stuff that has happened in that relationship, somehow the negative is reduced and minimized. All the positives are are minimized. And all all the good stuff... I mean, all the bad stuff is maximized and amplified, all the argument that you have. And so you know you're sort of in a trouble when you're, like, collecting arguments, like you're about to go into court or something. And so that's that's some of the ways I think all of us have faith in some way uh, in this context of imagination and envisioning. Uh, but for all of us, uh, for all of us to have faith for something in the sense of, uh, in Hebrew chapter 11, shows us how faith and, and to believe in a world where it will come under the loving Lordship of Jesus Christ. And so then, if, if that's the case in Hebrews chapter 11, then, then how are we to trust God in real life? How are we supposed to do practical theology, to practically speak? How are we to trust in Jesus and for what? So, this is uh, in Barbados. Uh, one of, my wife and I—we were with an organization called uh, Youth with a Mission. It's a Christian mission organization, and we did—you know—we were leaders of that for in the Barbados chapter in that area. And uh, you know, the running joke—and we did a lot of stuff, like we worked with children, with social injustice issues, uh, discipleship, uh, mission trips, and whatever, uh, both short-term and long-term. Uh, but the running joke is that YWAM actually stood for Youth Without Any Money because, like, we were broke. We were so broke. There were times where we would took, we'd just, like, pull out the invoices and the bills and we just prayed over them because we didn't know what else to do. And so it would be pretty depressing because there would be times where, well, okay, so this, the property is uh, uh, called plantation, right? This is an old plantation, actually. And so this is called here. This house you see on the right is called the great house, and it's usually the bigger house or whatever. And it's a it was I, I want to say 150 200 years old. And, and so one of the main major beams were actually being crushed, and, and it was decaying. There was termite issues, and it was demoralizing because like I'm coming into the office because that's where our offices and all that stuff was, and we, we did some life together. It, The roof is just held, or the, 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 what is it? The second floor is just held by, like, scaffolding or whatever. And so I'm seeing this every day and asking, like, and we we had it, you know, measured out. We we had it costed, like, how much it's going to take to uh, redo this. And it was, like, somewhere around $10,000 or something, that money that we did just did not have, you know, when you count labor and material and all that. So we're praying, and we're like, God, you know, we need to think of some sort of a solution. What can we do? and And I remember God saying, "Take up an offering and so this is a staff of like ten to fifteen people, and none of us you know we 're all full time volunteers we 're all relying on church and and individual supporters um, but we were obedient, we took up an offering, and it was like just i don't know it was like several hundred dollars it wasn't, it wasn't it would only it would have covered a fraction of what it was and and at the same time what what has happened is that uh this construction team said, hey, we'll volunteer and come help you. We didn't even ask them, actually. They're like, we'll come and help you. You just need to provide the material. And we said, okay, well, all right. So I started like cold calling all the construction company, material companies, uh, and to see. And out of all of them, only one called me back saying that, listen, we'll help you. uh, And you guys have to fund some of the money, uh, but we'll donate some costs. So as I'm looking at the invoice and seeing what it actually cost, and what we actually have to pay for the little offering that we took was exactly ten percent of what was donated, and so it's interesting how like God shows up in that way where He provides in a funny way. Like I got you, man. Like why you have you know you don't have to worry or anything like that. But there were other times too when when God provided uh, interesting ways. Um, uh, You know, being in during during the time with missions, we had our first child, and there were times where we like didn't um, have food, you know. So, and somehow there were times where God provided at the very last minute. You know, Eli, our seven-year-old, he was pretty much like a GoFundMe baby, (laughs) because like we we raised every money for like from the birth to whatever else. Uh, not just provision, though. we saw healings too. We, we were doing some community development agricultural stuff in West Africa. And we're praying for a young woman in this village in Gambia who miscarried about 10 times. And, and this is all, uh, uh, this was a Muslim country, 98% in the village, I think was probably out of 200, 300,000 people, probably only a f- handful of them were Christians. So all, all Muslims, but they asked us to pray for this woman. She asked for prayer. And so we we wanted to be obedient, and we said, okay. Our team prayed for her, and and to be honest, I'm like, if if I was her, I mean, why would go through? The, why would you go through the heartbreak of trying again if you miscarried ten times? You know, and so despite my unbelief, we were praying still, and we're trying to be obedient. And and we have you know, you have to understand in a culture like this, in a, in this village, like uh, the child is a pride of the family. You know, yes, it might be like another mouth to feed, but then also it's another worker. It's economical. It helps out. And then, so a year later on, we I didn't even think anything of it, and we heard the report that she had a beautiful baby boy. And so it's interesting how sometimes God heals, uh, you know, in health issues or, or whatever it may be or provides in a miraculous way. But then there's other times where prior doesn't seem to work. I, I don't know why... Sometimes why, why some people are healed and other people are not. Uh, working out in uh, South Africa, it was one of the fir- uh, first mission trips that my wife and I led together. And, and we were working in a, um, uh, right above uh, South Africa called Namibia. And we were working in an orphanage. And this lady was telling us a story that her, her boyfriend was HIV positive but didn't tell her that. And they had a kid. And the kid became HIV positive. And and they took years and years and years of prayer. And, And somehow, miraculously, the baby was clear of HIV. And so it's amazing to hear something like that. But at the same time, you wonder, why didn't God heal the mother as well? You know, like God heals people from cancers and HIV. And sometimes he doesn't. And so I'm, I'm questioning, wondering, like, why does this happen? And my kids are, you know, stuck with nut allergies. You know, it, it's, it's weird to think of, of, of why sometimes God heals and God doesn't. And the truth is, I don't know. Because there's so many variables out there. We don't know all the things that go into making something happen to bring the kingdom of reality right into us. We have no idea. We also know that there is evil that is real and present in this world. We live in a world where there's injustice and hatred and racism and wars and whatnot. And there's other forces that's working against God. You know, so like there's tons of variables that we don't know. And I, I think sometimes what we try to do, what, what we try to do is just trust God with the little, even with the doubts that we might have, and, and uh, trust that God knows best and that he's sovereign, even when you know, there's other things at play. There was another time uh, we sent a team to Haiti. This was back in 2010. And some of you may remember the cholera outbreak that happened uh, at the time. Um, And we sent the team before the outbreak because we didn't know the outbreak was going to happen. And somehow, luckily, they they were there, and they were able to help in that situation. The team got together, heard the outbreak. They said, let's see, what can we do? And and they went and got, you know, they bought a bunch of water and they went around the village trying to see the most impacted areas and hand out the water they were doing it through the van like drive by water thing donations and so they they're doing this and there were seven or eight people in the van three of them swear that the water started to multiply two of them said it absolutely did not happen and there was the other two says we're agnostic we don't know we're not choosing any signs. And, and I'm like, what do you do with that story? You know, like, and, and I think what, what I take away is that sometimes even if, and I'm not saying it, it did happen or it didn't happen. I don't know. I wasn't there. Um, but it sounds like sometimes when there's miraculous things that happen in your life, and, and you, when you look back, sometimes it's like you have to have faith even to believe in them again. Because we forget. We forget the miraculous power of God, how faithful he is to us, how good he is to us. And, and, you know, sometimes it's like you have to have faith for the things that you already had faith for. And you're trusting God at uh, one step at a time in that sense. Well, there's other ways, I think, so, that we sort of misconstrue this idea when you hear this uh, type of stories. Because Christians take the faith and healing to sort of an extreme Sort of align with the sort of the certainty model of faith that I talked about in the beginning. There's some Christians who preach that, that you have to act like you already received the healing. Uh, you see in Mark chapter eleven and first John five, uh, on Mark eleven says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you have asked in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And so sometimes we take this into account as literal as possible, not realizing their hyperbole and and sort of the the cultural context in in that time. And and so let's say I took off my glasses, and I believed it, and I received it, that my eyes were healed. And I start driving. That would be very stupid of me, all right? And so it doesn't make sense. I mean, you know, like, I'll be absolutely... really really blind without my glasses like i can't i can't see that well at all like if if there was like a zombie apocalypse or whatever some some crazy thing happened and like my glasses broke that's it i'm done like i'll be useless you know like my cat will abandon me my wife's like okay babe good luck probably not okay uh so this verse is not about that though when you ask and believe you already receive it why are you asking You see, it's almost like a logical misstep. If I'm asking for it, I don't believe that it actually has happened. So you're trying to do this mental, uh, you know, jump or whatever, uh, jumping jacks or whatever you want to call it, uh, to make sure that your mind believes in something that it does not, you know? So we see this in Mark chapter 8 when Jesus heals a blind man. And it may be one of the weirder ways that I can think of where where Jesus is healing uh, this person. He takes the blind man, spits in his eyes, or what what probably could have happened was in other translations you know like he spat in his own hand and rubbed it in his eye, uh, which both of them is still gross but <laughs> the guy wants a healing, so here it is here's here 's my saliva and then ask he, Jesus asked can you see? And ponder that for a second. It's it's strange. Here's the all-powerful God asking, after he prayed, can you see? Which seems to contradict about whatever you believe, You act like you received it. Why would he ask that question? And and then the guy responds, well, I can see a little bit. People look like trees. Well, duh. I mean, because Jesus spit in your eye, that's why you're not able to see. But but what else is fascinating is that Jesus asked the question, do you see anything? Why would he ask that if he wasn't sure of this man's healing? And then what happened is he laid his hands on this man's eye, and the blind man was healed and was able to see again. And so we, this, we see this sort of gradual healing or two-step healing or whatever. And, and, and the interaction seems to go against the sort of the certainty model of faith. And that may be, at times, it is the process where God heals little by little, helping us to grow deeper in our trust in him, which shows you, again, I think that God will walk with us, holding our hands from point A to point B, working with us where we are at. Now, if we take some of these verses and read it in the most literal sense, every single line, I think you might as believe that, that God is magic. You know, what would be the difference if you're believing it in this literal sense? God becomes a formula. You do this, and this will happen. You raise your child uh, in, in the ways of the Lord, and he will not go astray. I mean, you know, you, you hope the best for your child, and he's a functioning member of society. He's not going to do anything crazy when you grow up. But, you know, you, we all know people who've been raised right. Like, their parents did all the right thing, but they went astray. They did something crazy because of free will. For those who say I only and absolutely trust in God, and nothing bad will happen to me, well, do you lock your doors at night? Do you have insurance? Do you have car insurance? Do you have home insurance? In the insurance world, uh, there's this thing called the uh, Acts of God provision. Uh, It's when there's accidents that are that are outside of uh, human control, um, such as you know floods and hurricanes or whatever, earthquakes. And so in a funny way, if you believe that passage to be true, you're taking insurance to protect yourself from God, right? So there's this myth that somehow you commit yourself, your life to God, and you have faith that nothing really bad is going, supposed to happen to you. And I've had conversations with people that, that they had their heart broken, that had failed relationships, a loss of a job, or, or something you know, tragic happens to their family, their health, their illness, or whatever, and they demand to know why God is doing this to them. And you might say, I never trust. I will never trust God again. But you see, we put this false narrative that God promised only hugs and high-fives if you accept Jesus Christ and become a Christian. Only good things will happen to you. And, and that obviously is not the case. And many quote Jeremiah chapter 29, for I know the plans I have for you, to plan to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And you're like, yes, Lord, I believe. And that's, sorry, that's my best Southern accent. (laughs) My kids love it, though. Okay. This is one of those cases where we cherry pick and amplify. We just tunnel vision this verse. Uh, For I know I have the plans for you, you know, promise for good and not to harm you. Well, I mean, either you haven't read the, the verse before or the whole chapter or the whole Bible or, you know, or the whole book of Jeremiah. Because right before that, he says, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promises to bring you back to this place. So they were already in a mess. They were in crap. And God's like trying to make them feel better to give you hope. And so, they were under a foreign rule, and and it was something also, it was something that was specifically said to the nation of Israel, and and you can't really make that step to try to claim it for yourself. So, what we do is, we take this verse, we frame it, and we believe with certainty and trusting in God means bad things are not going to happen to you. Well, here's what Jesus actually said, and I just chose this one, uh, but... I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. So he's promising that and guaranteeing that you have this peace available to you. But then he also says, well, in the world you will have tribulations. You will have pain. You will have suffering. You will have hardship. So he's actually promising these things. And sometimes things don't happen in the way God planned. Not everything happens in the way God would like. Of course not. You know, like, I don't believe God planned for Houston to be underwater. Um, there, there was less media coverage on this, but just two or three weeks ago in Sierra Leone, uh, about 1,000 plus died from floods. Um, this last week, South Asia, 1,200 people died, millions displaced from uh, from floods. Same, sort of the same thing. And I don't want to like compare tragedies. I do want to compare how sometimes the media doesn't showcase and social media doesn't showcase some of the things that's happening in the Western world. I mean, both of the lives are of value, right? But God didn't plan for that. He doesn't plan for the cancer, he doesn't plan for the Alzheimer's. He doesn't plan for the divorce. He doesn't plan for these, you know, crap to happen in your life. He doesn't plan for you to struggle with depression. And he does not, but but he redeems, he redeems the mess and the, not, the crap that is in your life. Everything doesn't happen according to God's plan. But he has a plan for everything that happens. Right? That's his sovereignty. He doesn't plan for a tragedy, but he will use it to bring beauty and hope and purpose out of it. That's, his, that's the beauty of his sovereignty. God is like this sort of great tattoo artist. You know, that stupid tattoo that you got when you were a kid, you didn't know what it meant. You thought it meant like love in Chinese, but it doesn't. <laughs> and, and so God's like this great tattoo artist who will, who will, you know, cover over that and bring some beauty and, and significance and meaning over it and, to, and, and hide what's underneath the ugly. There's times in our life that I think we live with pain that just doesn't seem to go away, whether it may be chronic pain, dysfunctional family, depression that you're just living with, and and it seems like forever, and it seems like something that we just cannot, it cannot be corrected, and maybe there's no peace to it at the moment. And so you pray and hope, we pray and hope that God somehow gives you some sort of a breakthrough, gives you some sort of a tool to fix the situation, And I can understand how some people can get upset or even angry at God. You know, I certainly was. Going back to the talk with faith and imagination, there was another time when the disciples couldn't cast out a demon or see this healing happen. It's in uh, Mark chapter 9. So great crowd comes to Jesus, and for some reason the disciples couldn't, cast out this demon and this child. And it looks like they were doing a good job previously. They were, you know, casting on demons left and right, healing people left and right. And and frustrated, the father brings the child to Jesus, asking for compassion, asking to heal my child and cast the demon away. And Jesus says, all things are possible for the one who believes, and immediately the father of the boy cries out, I do believe, but help me with my unbelief. And Jesus casts out this unclean spirit, and right after the disciples asked, "Why couldn't we have done this?" And he told them, "This kind can only come out from prayer." Here's an honest response from the Father, desperate for the child to be well, and cries out, "I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Help me with my doubts, because I can't seem to see the end, end of this." And, and let me be honest. Um, My wife, she she suffers from uh, migraines, like some some are good, some are bad, but she's suffered it since she was uh, in her late teens. There's times that I pray for her migraines, but it's hard for me right now to believe that she will be healed. But I still do it. Because I want to be obedient and try to bring the kingdom of God to right now for his will to be done earth as it is in heaven. So with what little faith I have, I try to pray despite not being able to see the end of this pain. And I'm sure some of you may agree with this. Same thing with this father who's bringing desperate, bringing uh, his kid to, uh, to Jesus. And he's being absolutely honest. And let me conclude with this in communion service, communion service, you guys can get ready. I think we all should pray for faith that brings conviction of things not seen, where you're able to imagine a better future because right now it may just suck. You imagine a better relationship with your family, you imagine a better health, you imagine a day without pain and suffering. And sickness. And you imagine a day where people are not suffering. There's no more war, no more nukes, there's no more stupid political games playing with our lives. There's no more racism. There's no more hatred. A world without child suffering or going hungry. No more orphans. A world without Alzheimer's and and cancer and HIV a world that's not addicted to power and violence. That's the world that we should have faith and imagine for to bring that into now as much as we can. We are created in the image of God, God who is immensely creative and gave us this ability to imagine and have faith for the things that are not seen. So when we pray, we're pulling the kingdom of reality into now, your will right now as it is in heaven despite the doubts that you might have. And we trust that God will bring peace in any situation. God gave us the ability to imagine a better world, a perfect love where he rules in this age to come. So when things are very dark in your life or you struggle with the the now and have difficulty of seeing a better day, remember, there will be a time when all things will come together in perfection under the loving Lordship of Jesus Christ. And when that happens, it's not just the future, but the past that will be redeemed. Everything will be redeemed. And that's where our trust is. That's where our imagination in the future should be. Whatever it may be, whether it's sickness or whatever struggle, your marriage, whatever it may be, here's this beautiful gospel story that gives us hope even if things are not great and perfect right now. It will be. Here's Jesus saying it will be. It will be. So we'll take communion now and take some time to ponder uh, the love of Jesus and remember his body broken for us and the cup that was poured out for us. Take some time to be honest with him. Let him know the struggle that you have and, and pray for healings. Pray for peace. Pray for justice despite the doubts that you might have. Let's pray. Father God, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your son. Thank you for your communion. Thank you, Lord, that that despite the situations that we're in, despite the chaos that we might be in and the mess, that you have gave us the power to praise you, to worship you. You gave us this sense of imagination, oh, Father. So help us. Help me with my unbelief, oh, Father. Despite all the things that are happening, oh, Father God, I pray for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, and I just speak that out in the name of Jesus, amen.